Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Andrew Basevich, who is a historian and author of America's War for the Greater Middle East, a Military History. And we're going to be talking about Trump's Syria strike. Andy, you seem to have been dangerously prescient in your cover this week, Trump's Wars, as it is on the on the front page of The Spectator. And no sooner did we go on newsstands than Donald Trump has launched a strike on Syria. What do you make of this latest move? Well, I think it's a confirmation that we have a... Uh uh, a president uh, who is impulsive, uh, who does not operate in accordance with any sort of a defined worldview. Uh, you know, people people were concerned that that he was an isolationist. That you know that the references to America First somehow suggested that he was going to entirely withdraw from the world. I never I never saw that this attack on Syria without any sanction by the United States Congress suggests anything other, uh, anything but isolationism. Yes. Uh, certainly the a lot of world leaders seem to be supporting him. There seems to be a funny situation happening where Trump has lost judging from reactions on social media. A lot of his key supporters, a lot of Trumpists seem to be very angry about this intervention, whereas a lot of the what you might call the political class welcome it as a sign that Donald Trump is going to be more active in on the international arena than than Barack Obama was. Well, I mean, I can't comment on what people abroad are saying, but 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 it does seem to be the case that uh, the the if we if we could call it the foreign policy establishment here in the United States, which tends to uh, define American leadership in terms of a willingness to employ U.S. military power, uh, they are mightily heartened uh, by yes. this by this action. Uh, Secretary of State Tillerson. Uh, has announced that uh, the United States is committed to removing Assad from power. That is a 180-degree turn uh, from what the administration's policy had been just a week before. So you have to ask yourself, okay, if regime change is now the objective, how are we going to do that? Uh, And perhaps even more importantly, once we do that, assuming that the United States, with whatever help, uh, succeeds in in removing Assad. Well, what what then? Uh, you know, what what what? How are, how do we intend to uh, put Syria back together uh, to restabilize it uh, to somehow uh, create a a liberal order that might be friendly to the United States and the West? Those are huge questions, and of course, looming over those questions is the fact that when the United States uh, attempted to do just that uh, in Iraq. Uh, in Libya, it failed mightily, and indeed, mm. to some considerable degree, the unrest in the region is a direct product. Yes, I mean, with Iraq, you could say that there seems to have been at least more planning. I mean, if this does lead into a sort of ground invasion, there seems to be no clear direction or, or clear objective in mind. At least, you could say. I mean, I, I accept what you'll say that it was badly managed and. And so on, but there was a there was a goal of regime change. Here, there doesn't even seem to be a goal. I think you're exact. It's, it's exactly right. When we we may find fault with the quality of the of the of the planning and thinking about a post Saddam Iraq, but there was at least some amount of thinking. And what we have here is 
a decision made to initiate this military action that probably occurred in about within about a 48-hour window. Uh, one, you have the impression that it was probably made by Donald Trump talking to six or eight of his most immediate uh, subordinates. And, and it's difficult to imagine that in that 48-hour period, given a lot of other things going on, that there was much serious consideration for where happens next. So it, it is indeed, I think, policy made on the fly. Uh, it's policy made with virtually no serious consideration as to what the longer term consequences might be. And to some extent, perhaps this isn't that surprising. I mean, this is exactly what Hillary Clinton, who of course is not, was not a reliable source, but this is exactly what Hillary Clinton and, and lots of other political opponents of Donald Trump warned us that he would be. He would be impulsive, reckless, and a dangerous man to have in charge of the, the most powerful military machine that the world has ever seen. I think it's exactly correct. And, and, and that's why, uh, again, as, a, as an observer of the American domestic political scene, I find it so incredibly disheartening uh, that there are establishment figures that now uh, basically are applauding Donald Trump as if he were Winston Churchill. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's simply bizarre. And let's talk a little bit about H.R. McMaster, the new national security advisor. There seems to be an impression that the, the foreign policy establishment in Washington are very keen on him, and they are excited about the idea that he's bringing coherence to Trump's foreign policy agenda. What's your impression of McMaster, and do you think he's, he's now in charge of Trump's foreign policy? I don't know who's in charge, but I mean, I, I think I, I broadened the argument you made the, just slightly, and that is that uh, I think there was a sense in some quarters that however much of a loose cannon Trump himself might be, the, the, the proximity of people like General Mattis as the defense secretary and General McMaster uh, as the national security advisor would, would temper uh, any, any uh, 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 bizarre sorts of, of notions that Trump himself might have. Uh, the way this thing has turned out so far, I don't, I don't see any evidence of that, of that being tempered. Uh, yes, and it could actually be the opposite, in that McMaster and, and Mattis are pushing an agenda that's that's more impulsive than perhaps the Bannon Trump wing would would have wanted, or or at least with with a greater emphasis on the use of hard power. I do think it is true that men or women who spend their entire lives in uniform, uh, thinking about uh, preparing for. Uh, war uh, may tend to have a fairly limited imagination when it comes to uh, grappling with the challenges of statecraft. You know, if you go to somebody like Master and say, well, give me three options for what you think we ought to do, there's a pretty darn good chance that all three options are going to have something to do with bombing somebody. Uh, and uh, if, if indeed uh, the generals that uh, Trump seems to turn to for advice are giving him that kind of advice, uh, then then I think that that does not bode well for for where we go from here. Yes, and uh, there's a strong element of uh, Russia in all the the breaking news at the moment. Uh, to what extent do you think Trump might have been influenced, or, or the Trump administration might have been influenced by an urge to show that they are not Putin's lackey? And that they will do something that uh, Russia that is directly against Russia's interest in the region, which is to be pro Assad. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's plausible. But more broadly, I think that uh, to the extent that Trump seemed to suggest that making nice with Putin was going to be somehow a signature 
of his approach to foreign policy, I think that's gone for good. Mm. Uh, it, it probably was gone uh, even before this event because, again, here in the United States, the uh, the allegations, probably true, of Russia involving itself or tampering in our elections is a is a huge story uh, that is is not going to go away anytime soon, as far as I can tell. It it is a major political uh, scandal, and I think that alone uh, would have made it very very difficult indeed for uh, for for Trump to cozy up to uh, Putin. Hmm. Now I think that that likelihood is just gone for good. I don't think it necessarily follows that you know we're we we are in the midst of a new cold war, uh, but but uh, the reconciliation. Uh, that that Trump seemed to hold out is not going to happen. Great. Well, Andy, thank you so much for talking to us and uh, please talk to us again soon. Thank you very much. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anytime on iTunes. So please do. 